and welcome to another episode of Laying Down the Lore 40k, a lore podcast in which we aim to separate our Dukari from our Dark Angels, our Tyranids from our Tau, and our Craft Worlds from our Chaos Marines, and generally ask, what's up with this Warhammer 40k stuff? My name is Ben Crone Barber, and I know pretty much fuck all about 40k. With me is my co-host, Christopher Kralin Allen. What Ben? Who knows absolutely fuck all about 40k. Very true. And my dear brother, Darren. Huh? Who knows so much about 40k, it's a wonder he has time to do anything else. Over the years, this dichotomy between our levels of understanding became clear, and this series is an attempt to address that ignorance. <coughs> ignorance. Heresy. Heresy. Her- oh, sorry, I thought we were saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Morning, lads. I think it's a hangover from the other series, but whenever I finish that intro, I always have to go deep on the, <laughs> go real deep, uh, <laughs> and attempt to address that ignorance. I think it's to compensate. <laughs> there must have been an episode where I was like, in an attempt to address that ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let me tell you, nut clamps aren't for everyone. <laughs> do you ever do that thing where like somebody says something that shocks you and you say it back to them in a high voice you're like really that thing and then you go oh no sorry I mean really that thing <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry Archbishop you want me to touch you where <laughs> <laughs> oh dear oh happy 40k recording day everybody hooray Rumble. go Go, <laughs> go, go. <laughs> no, I, I was just going to say, I'm really excited about this episode because I don't know. Like, I knew a little bit about the last episode because of the novels that I badly read, but I, I have no idea how. I kind of know how the story ends, but none of the details in the run-up, so... Are you one of those people that like read the open uh, when you get a book? You read the opening pages, the end pages, and you're like, right, I don't need to read the rest of it now. I just, no, I just read the blurb. <laughs> I don't even open the book, Chris, because I, I don't want to crease the spine. You know, yeah, you got it. Yeah, <laughs> I want them, want them it. to look all pretty on the shelf. <laughs> Weird. He's the same in data. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. No touching. No touching. No <laughs> touching. <laughs> if you crease my spine, <laughs> <laughs> open me gently, please. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> I'm just going to go for a quick shower. I'll be back in a minute. And <laughs> oh, just taking us back to his days at boarding school. <laughs> I'm sorry. You want me to use what as a bookmark? <laughs> I mean, you, you want me to use what as a bookmark? <laughs> I mean, you want me to use well, you said that was a segue. Why are you excited about this episode, Ben? What was so good about last episode? Why don't you recap it for us, Ben? How about that? Yeah. Get right. your cock out of that book and recap it for <laughs> us. Okay. Hold on. Let me close the book. Ha! Ha! Um, <laughs> I did that in the wrong order. So, give me a start point, Darren. Uh, you've just been born. Okay, so it's just been born. And then 39 years later... The Great Crusade is coming to an end. Yes. And Horus is trying to bring a planet. Horus and his sons of Horus are trying to bring a planet into compliance. And he is injured by an assassin who was... I think it was in a chaos... Or hired the assassin, or chaos got the assassin to injure him. And then... It was with a sword, and it was really poisonous or something, and it basically fucked him up. And they brought him back to the ship, but the 
tech priests? No. What kind of priests? Like some sort of medical person. Couldn't do anything for him. They're like, we need... Healing people, shaman, shaman. Yeah, one of them. Space shaman, yeah. <laughs> Spaceman. <laughs> that doesn't work. <laughs> Space shaman. <laughs> Spaceman. <laughs> so they just got a random spaceman to come and do some work on him. Anyway, basically he's fucked. And I went back down to the planet to get the sword. And the guys down there were like, we can fix him. Bring him down here. And they brought him down. And then they did some sort of ritual in which chaos got into his noggin and was like, basically, the emperor, not a good guy, man. He he doesn't love you. He never did. And he's abandoned you. And you should rebel. And then some other stuff. <laughs> and then, da, 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 the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. <laughs> <laughs> this episode. <laughs> so then some other stuff happened. Horace had to like, he figured out, oh yeah, through the lodges, through the kind of like secret lodges. Warrior which lodges, are like I think they were, they? Warrior lodges, they're like cults. Well, you need a membership card. Yeah, like a little badge, a little medallion. And if anyone asks you, if you're in the lodge, you have to say something about badgers. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. And then... That's a nice badger you're wearing today. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, your badger's nicer. No, no, I love you more. <laughs> and then... <laughs> Yeah, basically, Horace then figured out who was kind of into him. <laughs> into him? <laughs> With him. <laughs> are we? Are you? <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, gross. I don't know. No, no, I don't want that. <laughs> Keep going. You're doing very well. So um, he he figures out what's wrong with him. Uh, sorry, what's wrong with him? What the fuck is wrong with me? He <laughs> figures out who's with him. And He's then... differently abled, Ben. There's nothing wrong with him. <laughs> <laughs> and then they go to make uh, a planet called Istavan, which had been brought into compliance, but had like rebelled. They went back there to bring it back into compliance. And so what he did was he sent down everyone that was still loyal to the emperor, and then he kept all of his guys, all his chums on the, the, the plane. And then when they were all down there, he virus-bombed their ass, wiped out, like, I think it was some, some reasonable number, like 97,000 billion people on the planet. And Do you mean million? No, no, I mean billion. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't kill all the space marines, so then they had to go down and fight them, and they were kind of engaged there for a long time. And at some point... The message got back to the emperor, and he then sent all of the loyal legions to Istvan. That was on Istvan three, and then they set the bad guys set up camp at Istvan five, and then the the good legions turned up, and they were well, it, they weren't all good legions, were they? There was only like was it three or four good legions in the seven that arrived? You tell me. Let's go with four of seven, and the other three they came in in two waves which we you know we've all been there and mm -hmm. uh, the second wave was the bad guys and they fucking annihilated most of the the good guys and then and, and then you covered and then and then there was the betrayal at calf where the word bearers got revenge on the ultramarines by basically fucking up their is it their home planet no calf isn't their home planet is it no, it didn't what happen? They um the, the ultramarines or something, they got they got stranded out near the Eye of Terror or something. There were like a load of water. Did you just say the Yorkshire Marines? The York 
Hey, up. Hey, up, Chuck. Hecky <laughs> Thumb. Look at these bloody warpstone stones. Oh, it's an orc. We're never going to get through that. No, it's batty. That is. No, that weather's really bad. That is. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, get a kettle on. Got out moist with chips. <laughs> After the war bearers fucked the ultramarines up, warp storms engulfed that whole area and the 500 worlds of Ultramar? Yorkshire. Of Yorkshire. The 500 worlds of Yorkshire were basically stranded. They couldn't They couldn't escape for the rest of the heresy. And that... And what was the name of the storm? What was the name of the storm? Um, I don't know. What was the name of the storm? Do they name them like we do, like after our storms, like Storm Ethel? Yeah, Susan. Yeah. <laughs> Bertrice? Storm Dave. Storm Benny. Storm... <laughs> what was the name of the storm? The Ruin Storm. Oh, okay. Like a Ruin Fang. Interesting. <gasps> no, like Rack and Ruin. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Okay, ask us some questions. <laughs> <laughs> what podcast do you think you were listening to? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. I've got one for you, Ben. I've got one. I've got a question for you. Okay, okay, okay. Cool, cool, cool. Here we go. Which loyalist Primarch sent a psychic warning to the Emperor compromising the safety of terror? That was actually my favourite part of the story, and I completely missed that out. It was Magnus the Red. Yes! Magnus the Pious. No, Magnus the Red. Wrong podcast. That's right. (laughs) Sent a psychic spear of info of warning to the uh, Emperor, didn't he? And then the psychic barriers, protective barriers around the Golden Throne were compromised, and chaos started pouring in. Is that right? I think, yeah, I think that was, uh, yes, Chris, that was right. Uh, I think Darren, uh, he's like a scientist. He's just like put us, like, us two in a, like a metaphorical <laughs> jar, shaking it and just observing. We're just in a petri dish. <laughs> if wishes made it so. <laughs> <laughs> Can I, I have a question about that? Because what the psychic spear that he sent, did he appear to the emperor? Did he psychically project himself to the emperor? Yes. It wasn't just like an information. He didn't just send an email. He didn't. You no. Know, he didn't get like a psychic text. <laughs> he sent a gif of himself going, "Ooh, <laughs> ooh, it's terrible." Uh, amazing. <laughs> that moment when and chaos coming from behind him. <laughs> when he presented himself, presented himself when. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that kind of spear, Ben. <laughs> when he exposed himself to the Emperor, did the Emperor speak to him via that psychic projection? Like, when he arrived? Was there a two-way conversation? Yeah. Uh, I, uh, do you know what? My memory fails me at the minute. I think it was just a one-way broadcast because it required so much energy to punch through all the defences. Mm. But th- this is a genuine moment where I go, I can't recall. I think <gasps> there might have been a bit of bants, but... Um, there might have been a bit of what? A bit of bants? A bit of bants. Yeah. Uh, like, hey, Magnus! Hey, Amps! How you doing, bro? Yeah, you know, you? not so uh, bad over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> oh, side note, you just destroyed the whole planet. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You might want to lock the back door tonight, Emperor. It's going to get a yep. little bit hairy. <laughs> it's going to get real funky <laughs> up here. <laughs> um... I have another question for you, Ben, about the last 
After Magnus breaks the golden rule of using his psychic abilities to warn the Emperor, the Emperor sends a squad of people to go and uh, bring Magnus to heal. That's right. Um, led by Lehman Russ. I don't know if he's a Primarch or just some badass. Lehman and Magnus fight. <laughs> Le Mans. Le Mans. Le Mans. I am yeah. Le Man. <laughs> the Man. <laughs> and in the same way as Ferris Manus is, is it Latin for Iron Hand? We yeah. all know that Lehman Russ is Latin for Wolf. Is it? No. Okay. <laughs> um, well done. <laughs> Bravo. I enjoyed that. Right, go on. Cool. Right. Um, what happened during the fight, or at the end of the fight, I should say, between Le Mans and Magnus? Oh, he um, he WWF'd him, didn't he? He broke his back. Clack, clack. Well, he didn't quite, though. I don't think he, he managed to actually accomplish that, did he? What did what did Magnus do to get out of that pickle? I swear he broke his back, but then he caught Did he actually the- manage to do that? Did he actually manage to break his back down? He did, he did, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, he broke yeah, his back. Yeah, okay, okay. He click-clacked him, but not in a kind of like good chiropractor way. You know, it wasn't like a, he was like, oh, mate, I've got a bit of a, uh, can you, and yeah, he just picked him up and fucking snapped yeah, him. I believe that's referred to as cracking rather than breaking. <laughs> so, oh, could you break me in a good way? He said to someone sexually. <laughs> I mean, if your back's going to get fucked, it's pretty much better to get it done by Le Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, which also means wolf. He called out <laughs> psychically and Zeke. <laughs> the- <laughs> Psychic yodel. <laughs> Yodley. <laughs> Yodley. <laughs> oh, my back. Um, oh, my lumbar. So, yeah, he called out psychically and Zeke, who is the god of change and like magic and sorcery and Saker. Shit. he's a fucking Saker mate he reached out and he was like here Magnus mate you want to get out of there leap pit so he, <laughs> he gave, he, he gave him a telephone I'm sorry I'm sorry do you think this happened on Katachan what's going on <laughs> <laughs> so they moved to Katachan so that they could do the rest of this in a funny accent and then yeah and then he basically portaled him and the remaining thousand sons out to a world. Portaled him. Portal portal me. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and then they all got moved to a planet which became known as the planet of sorcery or sorcerer's planet or... No, planet of chiropractor. (laughs) Kraken planet, that. Kraken planet. (laughs) No pun intended. (laughs) How did I do, Chris? Broad strokes very, very well, I think. That was quite good. The only thing I'd pick you up on is, in fact, it was three Loyalist Legions at Ispan 5, Ben, not four. Uh, Did good, could do better. I think that's what I meant to say, but I've obviously said... Oh, how convenient is that? (laughs) No, love, I was just joking. She was here to (laughs) fix the plumbing. Yeah, yeah, Exactly. (laughs) When I said three, what I meant was four. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. Did you think that this was your main Christmas present? No, no, that's coming tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, Horace Heresy Part 2. 
yeah, where do we where do we pick up from? Oh, is this another recap episode? Are we done? <laughs> this is actually we're doing the forty k interpretation of the fantasy podcast. We're just rewording everything, but including the words Bolter and Imperium of Man. Space. Space, yeah. (laughs) Space lizards. Uh, Yes, so we are going to look at the second half, really, of the Horus Heresy, although not really at the same time. So this is the kind of clarity that you can come to expect from us moving forward. (laughs) There is such a body of work around the Horus Heresy that really we we can't cover everything, and nor would I care to, if I'm being completely honest. <laughs> but uh, what we will do is we'll touch on some of the major battles moving towards the kind of, dare I say, climax of the whole story. So as the lads have suggested there, we've uh, moved through the kind of opening to middle battles the major kind of conflicts of the Horus heresy so the initial betrayal then the drop site massacre at Isfan 5 then the war at Kalth which hobbled the forces of the ultramarines and opened up a ruin storm which captured four or five loyalist legions within its boundaries it made warp travel next to impossible in and out of the the kind of 500 worlds of Ultramar. The the Ruin Storm, was that brought on by chaos of their own volition or was that something that they did um, Horus and his forces liaise with them and on that? Did they ask for it to happen or, yeah, how did it come about? Uh, really, the whole kind of betrayal at Kalth was a ritual. And I, I'm vastly summarizing the entire thing here. Mm. So it was a ritual that there was such a bloodletting that it allowed chaos just to pour through and ru- mm. uh, and this runestorm manifests around. So it is done in coordination with the forces of chaos. The thing to remember is Horus is their puppet, mm. is the puppet of chaos, so he's being guided and controlled by them through dreams and visions and what have you. And it, I suppose Inception, now that the movie Inception exists, he was incepted right. to go this way. The thing to keep in mind is that the real power behind the throne at the opening stages and quite into the middle stage of the Horus Heresy was Lorgar. You know, Borgar. it was... It was so, Borg. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? <laughs> because he was such a powerful psyker, is that right? Because after the uh, chastisement, he went off to, in search of something that would value his worship. Right, okay. And really, even... Lorgar was to some extent manipulated by the kind of high chaplain of the word bearers, who was a a real villain in the whole story, was Erebus, who procured the knife, the blade that ultimately killed the, or, or, or was used to stab the War Master Horus and triggered that whole event where he could then become possessed mm. and start the Horus heresy. So, to your original question then, the Ruin Storm was a direct effect of the betrayal at Kalth. 
So, so is Lorgar in terms of kind of communicating with the the chaos gods or the forces of chaos? Is it more Lorgar that does that directly, whereas Horus and the other traitor Primarchs are kind of more puppeted? They're more manipulated because Inception um, is the is is the it's putting an idea in someone's head in a dream state, yeah, that they believe is their own idea, so they don't think they're working for chaos. I think it's Horus is the real motivational force behind the civil war, the mm. Imperium civil war. Lorgar is definitely involved in manipulating circumstances uh, so that uh, chaos gains more influence. Mm. But chaos has chosen Horus as the kind of point man. Right, okay. How does Lorgar feel about that? <laughs> it's like he's been used and rinsed, but Horus is the main event. Horus is the main event. That's a good question. I think he's, you know, he's getting what he wants out of it. He wants mm. to not only venerate something, but to some extent be venerated and, you know, being seen as right, you know. Mm. Mm. When mm. you're one of 20 super soldiers, you know, being the correct one is always a, a, a benefit. Mm. But he has, yeah, he has his own machinations. He's, you know, we'll get to that shortly. But a lot of the traitor Primarchs, in fact, most of them, are still alive in, you know, 10,000 years later. Mm. Alive in quotes. They are still, you know, working out their plans and machinations and other words that mean the same thing to be able to reconquer the the galaxy so to some extent the horus heresy is still going right okay. if you see yeah, what yeah. i mean the effects of it yes it's called something else it's the long war they call it uh abaddon the no Dis longer horus's heresy yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> the blasphemy of horus or something i did i couldn't <laughs> think of anything better on the spot i apologize <laughs> i should self-flagellate now it's okay. Well, you can think of something later, and we'll record it and just paste it, <laughs> and then some canned laughter, maybe. Chris, give us some canned laughter. <laughs> Perfect. Edit done. Seamless. Yeah, exactly. The thing that worries me is that's actually going to be used again and again, <laughs> yeah. again yeah. and again and again. That's going to be a classic <laughs> laugh. You know, the Wilhelm scream they use on all yeah. sound effects. That's going to be. A timeless canned bit of laughter right there. That is. Did you just immortalize yourself? Yes. Yes, I did. Right. Well, don't do that. Pull up your pants. We're recording a fucking podcast. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you're venerating yourself publicly here, Darren. I mean, Jesus. Wildly inappropriate. <laughs> Wildly inappropriate <laughs> and massively distracting. Mm. Yeah. Right. Eye-wateringly distracting, eh? I know. Eye-wateringly distracting, yeah. <laughs> So what we'll do is we'll just hop around a few of the larger battles just to give you a sense of this galactic spanning war, and then we'll have a look at what happens towards the end with hilarious consequences. <laughs> um, they, isn't that the thing they say in, in reviews? <laughs> you won't believe what he does next. <laughs> yeah. I thought we'd touch on a couple of the key moments, as I've said. So the first one we'll look at is the Battle of Moloch. 
so or molek, depending on how well your dentures fit. Molek. Molek. What uh, Chaos reveals is that there's a number of warp gates, uh, webway gates, or just gates to the old kind of planets within the Eye of Terror. You'll recall, dear listener, that the Eye of Terror, singular, that the Eye of Terror is... um, (laughs) I don't know why I found that so funny. (laughs) Because it's true. (laughs) So the Eye of Terror is where the Eldar homeworlds used to be. So there's a lot of webway portals that lead to that. One of these is on the planet of uh, Moloch. So at the Battle of Moloch, they had an oyster off. <laughs> there was... It, it was a... What's referred to as a knight's world. So these are the, if you recall, the walking tanks, the walking war machines, the Mecha slash Gundam for our weeby friends that originally started out as uh, agricultural equipment and then were weaponized and then turned into a kind of pseudo Arthurian style uh, culture around their use. And the kind of preeminent house on the planet of Moloch was the house of divine, the divine house, which had been kind of riddled with, how would you describe it? Excess is probably a good word, but so much inbreeding that it make not only their eyes, but your eyes water. Uh, a real kind of ooh. webbed hands, Web. eyes that are too close together. Yeah, that kind of thing. yeah, yeah. The technical term droop ear, <laughs> <laughs> electric elbow, the worst kind of conditions. That uh, Horus gains visions of the emperor traveling around the universe. Now, if you recall, there was a period of time where the Emperor, uh, just kind of after the Unification War, darted around the place trying to get a handle on webway gates, but also other lost technologies that could be used to benefit the reunification of mankind, not just Terra. A horse realizes that one of these uh, gates is on the planet Moloch, so he organizes an invasion. They are a loyalist planet, it should be said, with lots of night houses, uh, a significant uh, armed presence from the Imperium, but also a really well-regarded and well-trained planetary defense force. So this is not a walkover by any means. It's a mass invasion comprising of traitor knightly houses, traitor forces, some elements of space marines, and they just head straight for where they believe the Webway Gate is, which is uh, just next to the capital city. The defenders are putting up an amazing fight. There's no, it's really, it's not just that it's kind of a a balanced on a knife edge. It's clear that the defenders are just dug in and they're going to last for a significant amount of time to not only deny the traitors whatever it is they are seeking, but also hold up a sizable army that Horus could use elsewhere. This is where the kind of whispered machinations of chaos come in. And in the middle of the battle, 
I say middle of the battle makes it sound like it was a jolly afternoon, and then suddenly something <laughs> happened. But this was this was you know just after lunch, yeah. <laughs> after battle recess, about three minutes into the complete wet battle. Uh, no, almost the entirety of House Divine is turned to chaos, specifically to the kind of rampant excess of Slanesh, where they become effectively demon knights. That they will eventually become these kind of possessed machines, but this tips that you know the, a, a, a large, well-regarded knightly house turns traitor halfway through the battle, so they just start destroying their own lines and opening mm. up access for horses forces to come in. And of course, is that is that quite a rapid process then in terms of being possessed by Slanesh? It sounds like it was kind of. And now I'm a demon. In the novel, it's one specific lord is turned within it, within the the house of divine, but he's the head honcho, right? In terms of the battle, so he's able to just really control. There's there's apparatus within certain types of knight vehicle. That allows you to well, it's really Inception. It allows you to override the will of the pilots of the other knights, so that the knights end uh. up enacting your will. So there was a mix of that. There was a mix of kind of the standard aristocratic corruption that you see in a lot of novels as well. But once the leadership tends to, once the leadership turns either loyalist or traitor, in general, the rest of the house will follow. Right, okay. Uh, because yeah. they're so, it's such a feudal structure. It wasn't like they all just, you know, simultaneously grew three pairs of tits and lobster claws, and then that was it. Off they went. It was one guy. I mean, that's incredibly specific, man. Are you all right, mate? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we've all seen pictures of demon ants. We all know how hot they are. Okay, let's. let's we've all move we've on. all we've all stared at pictures of demon ants for hours. Don't act like you haven't. <laughs> Wondering, would I? You know, could I look past the claws? You know, maybe. How big a rubber band would I need to get to make those claws safe? <laughs> I'm glad you went that way because I thought you were going to. How big a rubber band do I need to sustain this erection for days? <laughs> I don't know why my mind went there. No, you shut up. Um, <laughs> it's when the leader of the House of Divine just kind of came around the corner in like slinky bikini and a thong and high heels. Like, yeah. you look different today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Were you out out last night? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I always wear this. Um, <laughs> Eventually, Horus takes the planet quite roughly from the side uh, and. <laughs> Uh, gains access to its the warp kind of portal beneath its uh, crust, ooh, and then he uses that to gain more kind of radically powerful psychic abilities. I use this story to illustrate a couple of things. One is uh, that the Imperium Man already was corrupt. There were Corrupt, uh, corrupt elements within uh, a lot of its worlds. 
based on power and decadence and authority, you know, lack of, if you have no accountability, you can pretty much do what you want. The second thing is to, to show that there are things that predate humanity's kind of expansion into the stars and that chaos was well aware of them and was using not just Horus, but all of the other Primarchs to go and pick at these kind of things to increase their personal power and influence and thus be a, a larger corrupting force within their legions to kind of draw them more fully uh, into the uh, service of Chaos rather than the service of Horus. So the Battle of Molech is a good example of that. The next one I thought we'd look at the just in terms of devastation. A good example of that is the Battle of Talarn. Now, Talarn was this kind of verdant, not garden world, but it was definitely a, a, a civilized world with kind of lush, fulsome, um, how do you describe it? Buxom. Vegetation. Yeah. Buxom. Voluptuous. <laughs> Real curvy kind of gardens. <laughs> Massive gourds. <laughs> so this gourd world. <laughs> it's a bit gaudy here. <laughs> Check out the size of those gourds. <laughs> you're, sp you're spending more time with those gourds than me. <laughs> Why are there holes in quite so many gourds? <laughs> <laughs> You've got pits all around your... Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, these? No, I don't know how they got there. Oh, Jesus. Um, yeah. Mm. Let me just brush the seeds from my beard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Talard, apparently a very well-fertilized planet. <laughs> uh, it is now. <laughs> So this is another example of a hidden artifact of power somewhere within the planet. And this time it's invaded by Pertuarbo. Pertur Perturabo? Peter. It's invaded by Peter, <laughs> the Primarch of the Iron Warriors. Pertuarbo. Perturabo. Perturabo. You're Darren? Come Our back to us, Darren. Come back to us. <laughs> Peter Tuba? Uh, no. Uh, Peter. P Money. P Dog. <laughs> P Money. <laughs> As our father would say, if I could P Money. Uh, <laughs> he had a vision of something called the Black Oculus. So he does the kind of standard Iron Warrior fare in terms of warfare, which is he's a, a siege master. He's the kind of mirror image, or the dark reflection, I suppose you should say, of Rogel Dorn, who is the kind of siege master of the uh, Loyalist faction. He's the one that is, as the Battle of Talarn is happening, is fortifying the entire planet of Terra. Wow. Pertuarborber uh, attacks the surface of the planet, 
and is able to capture... Just attacks the surface of the planet, just goes to the ground, it's like, ah, take that planet! <laughs> <laughs> and while he's doing that, the Loyalist Legions attack him. <laughs> yeah. Alright, P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-
I'm so sick of you and the others being so high and mighty about the Imperium and conquering worlds. You know how many lives were lost in the name of Dad in just the past hour? Real lives, Lionel. People. With families. Children. Their whole future ahead of them. Non-Terran lives matter, dammit. Yeah, I've heard the slogan, Oris. Since when did you start giving a shit about non-Terran lives? Remember when the Emperor named you Warmaster? What the fuck is wrong with you? Wow, you just don't get it, do you? Neither of you do. When will you see that the galaxy would be a better place if we just stopped crusading and instead work together with other worlds and Xenos? Sharing ideas and beliefs, exploring and enriching the galaxy together as one. <laughs> you You'd be blazing some of that obscure shit. Listen, I just came back from half a quadrant away, got jumped by a bunch of Tyranids and lost me crew. They nearly had me very being ripped out of me in the war, but this, this is the craziest shit I've ever heard. You need to check yourself, mate. Ugh, you are so narrow-minded. I don't have time for this. I'm going to hang with Angron. We have a non-Terran Life's Matter march we need to organise. <laughs> yeah, sure, whatever, mate. You go get together with your little club. See what I'm talking about? That boy's gone crazy. Yeah, you're not wrong there, mate. You better calm down or he's going to end up committing heresy next. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> Perturable mirrors the tactics used by uh, Horus at Isfan 3. So he initially just virus bombs the planet. Wow. The kind of loyalist defenders had caught on to this trick, mostly informed by the handful of survivors from um, Isfan 3. And so they had hidden these vast tank regiments under the surface in armored bunkers so that when the Iron Warriors, led by their um, unnameable Primarch, <laughs> landed, there began the largest tank battle in the history of the Imperium, and one that was not rivaled until the early 41st millennium. So it took 10,000 years for a tank battle of this scale to happen again. Um, and how big was this tank battle then? Uh, d at least seven. Oh, bloody hell, <laughs> several. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. In the mid-tens of thousands on each side, at least. Blimey. Plus conventional forces, plus knightly houses, plus some titan legions, the huge walking robots, plus orbital bombardments. This was total war, mm. the kind of concept by von Clausewitz. It was just, you know, it was a planetary siege and the Iron Warriors were determined to get to where they needed to be. This was all happening while the entire planet was on fire. Because you remember that... Hard mode. Hard mode, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you got to fight for your life and you're on fire. Go! Yeah. <laughs> was going for his platinum for the Talarn battle. <laughs> yeah. Nightmare mode. Yeah. Night... <laughs> 
<laughs> he hadn't counted on quite so many armored vehicles being there, and it became a protracted engagement. But eventually, the Iron Warriors were able to get in and capture Sapphire City, which is the kind of the, nice. the capital, and use this as the like a spaceport, the landing ground, the primary landing ground for all the forces, uh, all the traitor forces that were still in orbit. Now, they were only able to do that because the Alpha Legion was also there with its uh, um. kind of hidden spy agents. If you can imagine, I think we may have mentioned it before, but the Alpha Legion specializes in stealth operations. Saboteur and subdiffusion. Yeah. It's effectively an entire legion of superhuman James Bond types. Amazing. In terms of skills, not so much in romance. That would just be weird. Yeah. Smarmy. And let's yeah. be honest, their abilities in infiltration are really limited, you know, in disguise are really limited to that of other Space Marine legions, aren't they? They can't just go <laughs> to the oil baron's ball, you know, and get a blend in like <laughs> with some googly eyes. <laughs> and a yeah. fake mustache. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Have you seen the uh, the president of Zimbabwe is here? He's uh, he's about four foot taller than everyone else, <laughs> and he's clad in power armor. It's very strange. Very strange. So. Yeah. He keeps he keeps introducing himself as Alfarius. What's what's going on there? <laughs> but uh, as it turns out, they can unfortunately do that because there's a drug called polymorphine which allows you to change the shape and size of your body by moving molecules closer and further apart That's cool. within your system. It's used by the Kalidus assassins, both in 30K and then forward on into 40K. But, I mean, you're not wrong. Every Space Marine Legion has Alpha Legionnaires in it in disguise. They also do a thing where they go through kind of really strong bouts of hypnotherapy on captured space marines who will then use a trigger word much like our yeah whatever it is snuffleupagus big bird's friend to (laughs) to trigger a certain set of actions for that person Mm. who has no idea either that they were captured or were conditioned or in fact even as they're carrying out the programmed actions. They have no idea what's happening. Wow. So as the Iron Warriors really kind of flooded the planet with their forces, they expected a hugely easy victory. But the protracted war turned into an even more protracted war and ended (laughs) up costing a huge number of... um, casualties on both sides specifically in the terms of armored equipment so tanks and personnel carriers and uh, artillery pieces that kind of idea through all of this with the kind of double-sided treachery of the alpha legion the iron warrior's search for the black oculus was exposed and ultimately they were beaten back and forced to uh, withdraw from the planet. So the defending legion, sorry, they were was there a legion on th- on the planet? It was primarily hu- standard human troops. Ah, there would be okay. some advisors in there and maybe some small elements, but it was largely just regular human troops. Who- and and 
Were they aware that they were defending the Black Oculus? No, it wasn't until the Alpha Legionnaires, the agents of the Alpha Legion, sort of tipped off the Imperial forces as to what was happening. I had started to say that the Alpha Legion were a really interesting legion within the Horus Heresy because they were presented the kind of visions of the future by the Eldar. Right. Well, by an Eldar, who effectively gave them the choice to be loyalist or be traitor. And being traitor had a better end for humanity. So they chose to become traitors. So they're acting as traitors, but there's a significant amount of loyalty still to not perhaps the emperor, but to humanity. Right. So there, I was going to say, yeah, it, loyal, at that point, tr- being a traitor and a loyalist is relative, isn't it? Like, yes, spinning it like that, the emperor is on, is the bad guy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they're used narratively to highlight the false choice between the emperor and Horus. It's mm. you know, it does anything really change for the day to day citizen in the Imperium if one is in charge rather than the other? So there's a sort of noble, I was about to say nobility, yeah, nobility to yeah. the Alpha Legion's intentions. Like Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And Horus probably feels the same. All the rebels probably feel the same. They probably feel righteous. What they're doing is right. And that actually the Emperor and the Emperor's loyalists are the villains. Both of them, mm. but both sides of the fence probably think they are the righteous. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah honorable yeah. ones. Yeah. So the Eldar that spoke to the Alpha Legion to Alpharius, Farius, Alpharius, the very pronounceable Primarch of the Alpha Legion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was um, was there more than just an Eldar that spoke with him? Yes, there's a, a group called the Cabal, which is kind of that's right. Yeah. That's a bit beyond the kind of introduction, but there there was a collection of Xenos intelligences that were trying to shift the fate of humanity in certain directions. Um, right, okay. And how sure can we be of their visions for the future? Did they have prescience? Like, were they able to see the future? Uh, yes, they were. Well, they were able to see versions of futures. No, there's right. no one really in, in Warhammer 40k that can see precisely the future. Right. Okay. Right. 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 Even uh, Zinch, the god of chaos and uh, kind of change, he's has, you know, he's much like a galactic chess player. He can see, you know, a fairly infinite number of moves in the future. But it all requires things to work precisely moving towards right. that future. The, right, the right, millions right, right. of kind of sub plans and choices that are made to get there. Yeah. So any one of them could change his vision or his the, desire the for the future. Yeah. yeah. But the, the elder in question is still alive and is the effectively the leader of the Ulthwe craft world. Eldrad Ulthorian. Is the that sounds familiar? Yes. Interesting. Interesting. So, with the aid of the Alpha Legion agents, the Imperials are not only able to 
grasp the full magnitude of Perturabo's plan, Perturabo, yeah, plan, but also begin turning the tide. And eventually, the Iron Legion are forced to withdraw with unbelievably heavy casualties on both sides. Both sides lose nearly 80% of their forces. So we're talking millions of troops. We're talking, you know, tens of thousands of armored vehicles, perhaps even into the hundred of thousand, plus all the kind of support equipment and logistical capacity. The loyalist side still holds this up as a great victory that they were able to, for want of a better word, beat off someone whose name they couldn't pronounce. <laughs> we've all been... We've all been there. Yeah. We've all been on those holidays. Uh, the, <laughs> but yeah, but that's another example of not only the kind of artifact hunt, you've got to be careful saying that, of the forces of chaos, <laughs> but also the kind of, uh, here we go, Ben, the dichotomy of the behavior... <laughs> Uh, of the Alpha Legion. <laughs> Alpha Legion. So we're getting in now to the kind of closing stages of the Horus Heresy. We're on about, what is it, the seventh or eighth year of the actual uh, heresy itself. So while all that is happening on Talarn, that is being repeated on a load of other planets as they march inexorably towards, towards Terra. There's this huge bid to stop... Horus and his tracks at a battle that's referred to as the Titan Death. I'll give you the broad strokes. It's very similar to the Battle of Talarn. There is, it involves a lot more of uh, gourds, a lot more gourds, uh, and <laughs> some very, let me dare I say, sensual topery. Mm. Even some legumes. But Horus himself is at this battle and he leads this enormous force down onto the planet. Now, the the Beta Garmon system, which is where this battle takes place, also known as the Battle of Beta Garmon, that is a system that has five or six planets, five or six worlds, uh, one of which is a huge fortress world. Another is a hive world, another is a a, a factory planet, but it's a huge staging area, and it's one of the the kind of fortress systems of the Imperium. There are vast numbers of troops there. We're talking into the tens of billions of troops, loyalist troops uh, staged in this area. Definitely billions? Uh, go fuck yourself, yes. Uh, so, <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> just checking. Just, but just checking. checking. But as information about the horse's invasion, it seems likely that they're going to strike. They have no choice, in fact, but to strike at Beta Garmon. It's reinforced even further. There are a number of Space Marine Legions, including Ben, your beloved White Scars, and the Blood Angels, Amazing. and others. Almost the total might of the titan legions is placed on uh, within that system as well so you're talking about roughly 600 ish titans or these massive walking siege engines each of which could destroy a city quite easily by itself given enough time again a huge invasion force arrives on a par with the force that's defending it wow it is a 
you know, it's effectively a single campaign, arguably a single battle that takes place across the planets of an entire solar system. You know, this in the single, I think it's on Beast Garmin 3, 2 or 3, where Titan legions, the loyalist and traitor Titan legions, face off, like in their entirety. And that's why it's referred to as Titan Death, because you have a thousand Titans, over a thousand Titans, fighting each other. Uh, probably like cage matches, maybe some of them have got luchador stuff painted on. <laughs> yeah, Thumb wars. So, the Anvil of Doom! Oh my god! He's brought out the Anvil of Doom! <laughs> Steel chairs the size of factories, that kind of idea. Uh, <laughs> the destruction is so total of the Beta Garmin system that the casualties in that system alone exceed the total casualties of the previous five years of the entire war, of the entire history. It is effectively the single largest battle uh, ever fought within the kind of Warhammer IP, not excluding the masked barrel bashes of the old world. No? (laughs) No? Please yourselves. Uh, the <laughs> <laughs> it has some of the most glorious kind of scenes in it, like uh, Sanguinius, who's the pronounceable primarch of the Blood Angels. He descends, he's winged, like literally winged. He descends from a Stormbird, which is one of their uh, kind of dropships, with an elite bodyguard of uh, jet-packed uh, equipped Uh, blood angels and they actually land on a titan and take over you know in this kind of dirty dozen style mission and it's just it's full of tons of little scenes like this Uh, you'd love that chris you say little scenes like blood angels flying down on a fucking titan doesn't sound like a little scene (laughs) well compared to everything that's going on around it you got to put yeah. it in compared to the seven thousand yeah. trillion people that have died right in this right uh, There's lots yeah. of action-packed scenes, lots of one-liners and things like oh, that. Oh yeah, proper, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. God, I love it. And I can tell that it's a smaller scale thing, Chris, because your nose is bleeding a lot less than it was a couple of minutes ago when it was described. I just need to dab yeah. it clean this episode. I'm yeah, keeping yeah. up pretty well, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my ears are popped, but yeah. My ears are popped and I'm bleeding from my anus, but I'm I'm in control. I'm in control. My nose is a okay. (laughs) That's off camera, Um, so it doesn't count. (laughs) But again, in terms of casualties, as I've said, it exceeds the sum of the casualties previously. We're looking at billions of people dead with a B. And as it's referred to, uh, or it's referred to as Titan Death because legions, the Titan legions, are decimated with almost literally two out of every ten, you know, being functional, which is not the definition of decimate. I appreciate that, but it's a good <laughs> word to illustrate the destruction. So much like the Battle of Talarn, you're seeing the total uh, eradication of forces. It's total war. One interesting side note here is Horus, 
who had previously had an encounter with Laman Ross, he effectively collapsed and went into a coma, which necessitated the uh, intervention of chaos. In the the kind of the duel with um, Ross, uh, Ross had stabbed him with this kind of magical psychic spear. And what it had done is it had driven out the demonic possession, the kind of inceptiony demon that was oh, uh, wow. uh, augmenting Horus's... Exercised um, him. Uh, yeah, uh, but it got rid of this kind of the... How would you describe it? The, corruption? Or the, the corruption, yes. The corruption turned everything up to 11. But mm, right. even with the corruption gone, it was still at 10. He still yeah. wanted to mm. go to Terra. He still wanted to destroy the Emperor and take over the Imperium of Mad, which just illustrates that chaos corrupts what is already there. Okay. Oh, so when he did this, it was he got rid of that corruption, and that was a permanent getting rid of. Like it, it didn't re-corrupt him until he collapsed at the the Titan Death battle. After which, there was a process that was carried out that reintroduced that corruption. But it oh, highlighted okay. that Horus, the the kind of noble warrior, in quotes, was still there. The human was still there. He wasn't. He wasn't a demonic entity. This all culminates then. We're heading into the kind of closing section of the Horus Heresy. The Battle of Beta Garmin really ends up uh, setting up the what's called the Solar War, where you see that the traitor forces, who had been kind of knocking on the door of the so- of our own solar system for, you know, five, six years, trying to infiltrate in and take over planets one by one. That began in earnest then, because the forces of Horus were now at the solar system. They were, you know, coming into the solar system, so they needed... They were hanging by Pluto. Uh, like a landing zone. Yeah, exactly right. So it's at... During the Chaos Forces... Chaos Forces? Is? It's a word. It's a word. <laughs> Their first objective is to control a landing area or a, a, a kind of warp area where they can come into the solar system. And they begin just effectively laying siege to an entire solar system. And one of the major events is on Pluto, where we f- happen to have the second true death of a Primarch within the Horus heresy. So spoilers here, click away if you don't want to listen, but do buy me something. The Primarch of the Alpha Legion, Alpharius, is killed by Rogel Dorn, who is the Primarch of the uh, Imperial Fist. Holy shit. (gasps) This is the, as I say, the second Primarch to die, the first being Ferris Manus, Isfan V, where he was decapitated, uh, as one of my very (laughs) elegant Irish aunts would say. But as with everything, with the Alpha Legion, it's shrouded in mystery. Was he killed? I mean, he was killed, but was he killed? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, he was. As one of the fucking patrons tried to spoil on the Discord... You mean dear, valued patron. (laughs) (laughs) No, it is difficult trying to keep 
elements of stories a secret to kind of surprise on the thing i've just stopped reading the discord because i don't want any of this ruined (laughs) they alluded that the fact that there were 19 primarchs still alive at the outset of the horus heresy and not 18 Uh, listeners recall there were 20 primarchs two were killed uh, by the emperor under sanction or were they no they weren't uh, the <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but were they? No, they weren't. No. Yeah. <laughs> so that would leave us with eighteen primarchs. But we discover relatively early on in the Horus Heresy novels that one of the legions didn't have one primarch; they had two because they were twins. Ooh. A Mister and Misses. No, a Mister and Mister. Oh, yeah. that's fine too. That's that's absolutely modern. Yeah. Don't let your porn searches infect this podcast. <laughs> but it was Alfarius. Okay, so there was a guy and a donkey who were twins. <laughs> it was Tilly and S Tilly, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> 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 There was the biblically named Alpharius and Omegon. Omegon. Yeah. Omicron. Oh, Omicron. Ah. Yeah. Eventually, the kind of steamrollering of the solar system, it, it's almost inevitable at this stage. There's still the sheer volume of uh, space marine legions and their kind of regular human forces coming to the solar system they plow through all the outer planets. Obviously, the Emperor's children do that literally. Uh, and they arrive at Terra. Now, Horus arrives with the kind of en masse with eight legions worth of space marines. Terra is defended only by three legions the Imperial Fists, who have spent the entire uh, Horus heresy effectively fortifying the planet Earth, the Blood Angels and the White Scars, who arrived directly from Beta Garmin. They're able to get to Terra under, uh, and I quote, mysterious circumstances. But there are no other Loyalist legions. The Dark Angels are off purging heretic planets, effectively corrupted planets, including the homeworlds of traitor legions. The Ultramarines are trying to get to Terra as quickly as they can, but they're impeded by the Ruin Storm, which has faded somewhat. They are actually able to get out uh, into the universe. The of a Ruin Drizzle at this point. Yeah, <laughs> the Ruin Drizzle. <laughs> does that Warp Storm manifest in the corporeal realm yeah. as well? Yes. It does. Well, how yeah. does it appear in the, in the real world? Like the kind of pink and white uh, Princess Marshmallows. Please sponsor us. (laughs) Effectively, space becomes tie-dyed. That's effectively how I would describe it. Uh, Like oil on water. Exactly right. That kind of weird sheen. Like the Charlie Sheen of space. Uh, There's an image. (laughs) Space Charlie Sheen. Space Charging. So the, the Salamanders, the Iron Hands, and the Raven Guard are all shadows of their former selves because of 
the drops out massacre on Isfahan five, uh, but they are out there trying to slow down and uh, the traitors and disrupt as much of the logistics as possible. But now that we're in the kind of closing phases, they're just as many of them that can are heading to Terra, but they're all going to be too late to get there. We're, we're left with the entire populace of Terra being armed, which is in the you know tens of billions now because it's a planet-sized hive city. We have three parts of three legions, almost the entire uh, Imperial Fist Sand Guard, but also elements of Blood Angels, elements of the White Scars, plus the Emperor himself, the Custodes, the actual armies. There's a couple of Titan legions there. It's the end game, so everything is in play. And you said how many... So what's the strength of the traitor forces arriving on Terra? You're looking at the traitors outnumbering loyalists by about somewhere between two and five to one, depending on how you would... Wow. How you would... uh, Plus, at this stage, the Emperor's children, the World Eaters, the, the Death Guard, and the and the Thousand Sons have all fully committed themselves to chaos. And all, indeed, each four of those has committed themselves to an individual god. So the Emperor's children and their Primarch Fulgrim now worship Slanesh and are corrupted in that method. Uh, Fulgrim, the Primarch, has ascended to demonhood, to become a demon prince. So his lower half now is that of a snake. He has four arms a wild pink afro and horns. Uh, so he is a, a demonic prince. Wild. You know, like Angron now effectively looks like an even beefier bloodthirster. He's gone full kind of stereotypical demon prince. So he's, you know, right. a deep, deep red skin, horns. He's got his uh, dreadlocks. He's got wings, the whole thing. So it sounds like all these guys have just completely liberated. They're just like, they found their true selves. Yeah, Finally. yeah, yeah, totally. They've come out. They've come yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. yeah Mum, not... Dad, I'm a snake. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm not touching it. The, uh, the. It's all right, son. We knew it. We knew. I love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> we knew it when you donned the pink afro and horns. <laughs> it's when you chopped off your own limbs. We. Uh... <laughs> yeah. One of the most interesting falls to chaos was that the Death Guard, because as they were traveling through the warp coming to Terra, they were becammed within the warp itself. And we've discussed that previously, how sometimes ships can get stuck in the warp, uh, you know, and be released in the future. One of their number, a captain called Typhon, a callous Typhon, was possessed by or infected rather is the better word by the destroyer hive which is a kind of plague ridden wasp but he then turned into like he was producing them and thus it spread throughout the fleet and all of these space marines who if you'll recall the death guard are really sturdy and pride themselves on, on endurance all began to fade and die and so the mortarian their primarch cried out for any aid to help 
save his troops and Nurgle answered. And of course, Nurgle had orchestrated this event. And so they became what's referred to as the Plague Marines. So when they arrived, they had been becalmed effectively for decades and were thus fully warped into the kind of zombified superhuman soldiers that uh, that exist now. Christ almighty. So these four legions, when they arrived on uh, Terra, they looked like they would 10,000 years in the future, fully corrupted, fully committed to chaos. What was corrupting Horus? Was, he, was there a specific god that he was subscribing to? Um, <laughs> subscribing. Subscribe. <laughs> like and subscribe. <laughs> no, he was what's referred to as a champion of chaos undivided. Right. So for listeners who have endured, that's probably a good word to say, our <laughs> fantasy podcast, you'll know what that is, where you, you worship the concept of chaos rather than any of the individual gods, but you do pay homage to the gods, but they're not your primary specialization. You don't go to corn to be a super effective bloodthirsty warrior. You don't go to Zinch to be uh, like a mage of startling power. You, you try and encapsulate chaos in its kind of profound whole, if you can use that phrase. Um, Darren, sorry, on, quickly on that on that note, the chaos gods feel about that considering, as I understand it, they hate each other. So someone who is chaos undivided, worshipping chaos as a whole and worshipping, I guess, all the gods equally, does that come across as positive? Um, I think it comes across as a pool of souls that is halfway there. Okay. So the, the chaos gods aren't going to hate you for, for loving all of them equally. At least they've got a bit of worship. Yeah, it's a, you're okay. still worshipping, you're still enacting chaos's will. Mm. That doesn't mean that you won't later dedicate yourself to one of the gods, but just at the moment, you love everyone equally. I'd be chaos undivided with my indecisiveness, yeah. wouldn't I, Ben? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I could be Horace. What I'm saying is I could be Horace. Yeah. I could be, I could be Horace. <laughs> Captain foot in the back door. Uh, All the time. The back door yeah. foots. That's what your marine chapter would be called. Oh, imagine having a foot in your back door. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, a huge number of troops arrive on Terra. Instantly, the Emperor's children just kind of abandon the siege as a, a kind of... Uh, formal uh, structure and go off and experiment on as many humans as they can find and extract their vital essence and do other unmentionable things with them. Um, the rest of the forces then are focused purely on uh, getting through the various gates and walls of the Imperial Palace. You know, think of every tactic you could and this is what happens all in one place and, and slowly very, very slowly, the the traitors make gains and they get to the final kind of gate of Terra. And it's a foregone conclusion that Chaos is going to win. They have brought the Imperium to its knees and they have the Emperor trapped in his house. I mean... It's not like it's it's not to say there were not some glorious moments, and I'm thinking of one specifically for you, Ben, when uh, Jagati Khan, who is the Primarch of the White Scars, rode through a gate, standing on top of a Land Raider tank, 
holding it in reins of made of chain and just shooting <laughs> yes. and fighting his way through the chaos forces to give the defenders Mate, enough time. One absolute so extra. <laughs> Yeah, it, do you know the uh, that bit in the Lord of the Rings, the two towers where uh, Gimli and Aragorn are standing on the bridge, yeah, yeah, keeping yeah, the yeah, Uruk yeah. back? Okay, it's that, but it's your uh, chosen Primarch standing on a tank. Or is <laughs> that Jean Claude Van Damming a tank? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. two tanks, two, 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 two bane blades. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did the chains work like stirrups? Did they, did they, could he pull on one and get the tank to turn? Let's say they do, just to see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like one of those scenes from your favourite Bollywood film that does. Like, he... What, Bahubali 2? The, <laughs> the conclusion. <laughs> In fact, the whole of the Warhammer saga just is like a Bollywood film. Oh my god! I would love to see a war, a Games Workshop Bollywood film. That would be incredible. I, I tell you what, we should pitch it, and if it succeeds, we should all rock up to the premiere on a tank. Yeah, we should. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ultimately, we come to the climax of the Horus Heresy itself, as the siege is continuing. Horus realizes that the other loyalist legions are fast approaching Terra. So you're looking at the, the full might of the Ultramarines and the Dark Angels. You're looking at the survivors of the Drop Site Massacre and the various other smaller groups of the other legions heading straight for Terra. So Horus is about, in terms of elite super warriors, Horus is about to be vastly outnumbered. So what he does is he deactivates all the void shields on his flagship, the Vengeful Spirit, and effective, effectively invites the Emperor to attack him. Presents which himself. the Emperor does so. Yeah, he presents himself. So the Emperor, who's been sat on the Golden Throne this entire time, trying to keep the Webway Gate at the heart of Terra closed or reinforced, realizes that this is his opportunity to end the war. So Malkador the Sigilite, or Sigilite, replaces the emperor on the throne. And Is he a psyker as well? Yes, Malkador the yeah. Sigilite is a, a, an extremely powerful human uh, psyker. Uh, he's the he, vice president. Uh, yeah, he's, he's the administrator-in-chief of okay. uh, the Imperium okay. of Man. So the Emperor teleports directly to the vengeful, vengeful Spirit, but he does so with uh, Sanguinius and Rogaldorn, who are the Primarchs of the Blood Angels and the Imperial Fists. Uh, they're accompanied by Terminator-armoured Space Marines, the kind of heavy mm -hmm. infantry armour, and a large contingent of the uh, Emperor's bodyguards, the Custodes, or custodies. Um, and the groupies. And the groupies. Uh, the Chaos Gods obviously see this and, and, and don't particularly care for it, if I'm being honest. So what they do is they, as best they can, scatter the troops throughout the ship, which means that the Primarchs and the Emperor himself... Oh, what, they disrupt the teleporting? Yes. They disrupt yeah, yeah. the accuracy of it. Yeah, right. so, that no, so that no single troop 
materializes right next to each other, Within if you know what I mean. Right, so they're right, spread right. throughout the ship. This obviously leads to a protracted uh, battle in which Sanguinius finds Horus first. He arrives at Horus's throne room and tries to reason with Horus and tries to get him to, to see sense and to stop because throughout their entire lives, Sanguinius and Horus have been the closest of friends. They were the ones that uh, viewed each other with the most respect and, uh, dare I say, love. But it was not to be. Horus had, you know, has now been augmented by all four of the chaos gods and kind of reinforced after the the corruption uh, was dissipated. It, it returned and then uh, uh, came back with gusto. Uh, and then they and they fight a, a kind of a duel. Not a kind of duel. They fight a duel. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, it, one in which that Sanguinius is ultimately killed and so we now see the Shit. the next death of a Primarch. While he was killed, he was able to get a little stab in and gave a kind of nick to the kind of rune-covered armor of Horus. And as Horus is standing over the body of his brother, uh, his the the claw, the lightning claw of uh, Horus, dripping with the the blood of the kind of the angel of Baal, which is another term for Sanguinius, that's when the emperor finds him. And the emperor, I believe the, the young people say, loses his shit. Uh, and they just absolutely lay into each other. Um, what you're seeing then is the single most powerful psyker to have ever existed, the emperor, faces off against the chosen one of the chaos gods. So all four chaos gods are pouring elements of their power into Horus, fighting against an incensed emperor. And eventually the emperor manages to overcome him and blasts elements of the corruption out of him. And Horus comes to his senses and understands not only why he's doing what he was doing, but how it came to happen. And he realizes his mistake. Uh, wow. This is from the original. This is from the very first mention of this duel over uh, goodness over twenty five years ago, wow. where Horus comes to his senses but realizes that he can't survive, and the emperor sets about destroying him, both physically and kind of psychically, spiritually. And the usual jokes we make about centrally, financially, uh, exponentially. Yeah, 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 But as this happens, Horus is able to strike out again and mortally wounds the the emperor, opens up wounds in his neck and across his chest, and the emperor falls, effectively unconscious next to his next to Horus, who is just dead. Sensing this death, the chaos gods flee their puppets. They flee from all the Primarchs, who realize now that they are effectively on their own with them, you know, with huge reinforcements coming to the planet. So they break off the assault almost instantly, return back to their own ships, and flee straight towards the Eye of Terror, but, you know, with a lot of stops along the way. Um, well, they had to get fuel, wouldn't they, and snacks? Yeah. <laughs> oh, mate, yeah, anything like me, I'd need, like, pee stops every 90 minutes. <laughs> Ultimately, the loyalist forces are unable to 
pursue them to the extent that they would like to. The Emperor's is found by Rogel Dorn and is emergency teleported to Terra, where he replaces the burned-out shell of Malkador the Sigulite, who has used every ounce of his spiritual being to keep the broken webway gate closed, for which the the Golden Throne uh, is in charge of. So, sorry, quick question on that. You mentioned before that there was like an everlasting or very much an at the very least, an ongoing battle on the other side of that webway door where the Chaos forces are trying to pour in like they did when Magnus the Red, you know, (laughs) presented, exposed himself to the the Emperor. (laughs) During the Siege of Terror, then, did that battle on the other side of the webway increase? Did the Chaos forces think, right, well, we got to do, we got to pour, you know, this is it. We put everything on red and they try and increase the, the pressure on that? The short answer is it was all angles of attack. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. There was a huge contingent of custodies and other troops on the other side of that broken gateway, keeping the the demonic uh, forces at bay. Uh, but yes, the wow. emperor is interred into the golden throne where he remains to this day. Well, where his remains remain to this day. Nice. And that's really the close of the Horus heresy as a battle there are elements then that move forward that we will cover when we cover different factions such as the great scourging where the imperium pursues the chaos legions the uh, implementation of rabuti guliman's codex uh, codex astartes which reduces the size of space marine legions individual space marine legions down to uh, chapters which is a, a thousand space marines rather than the tens or hundreds of thousands of space marines um and was that was that some sort of safety precaution that was a safety yeah. precaution so this could never be repeated you also see the establishment of the inquisition the gray knights were already a factor they had been created but hidden as elite demon hunters, as elite demon fighters. Cool. Um, wow. But yeah, so you see Ooh. the kind of great hope of the Great Crusade, this expansion of humanity, stopped and destroyed. And then... Got so uh, close. Got so, so close. close. And the humanity effectively becomes a, a death cult. They worship a, a dying and dead god in wow. the form of wow. the Emperor of Man. So... Thoughts? Well, that was pretty fucking epic. And all this, does this really stem from the Emperor betraying the Chaos Gods all that millennia ago? Is that where this comes from, ultimately? In a very real way, yes. But also no. Uh, the <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> no that, i mean that's the yes with an if no with a but yeah okay yeah fine. i, 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 I yeah. The, again the short answer is yes it's the the chaos gods were gunning for the anathema as they referred to him when he was able to get what he wanted without giving anything that the chaos gods wanted um so they were looking for a means to uh corrupt humanity and his Mm. kind of dream in particular that's why they were able to truly corrupt the word bearers and the word bearers Mm. really are the seed which forces everyone's hand if we can keep using using gardening analogies (laughs) would they have happened anyway you know if the emperor hadn't made that 
that agreement with him and then kind of reneged on it. Would some? Do you think something like this might have still happened? Something kind of grand and on that scale? I, I think it would have eventually happened. I think that the Imperium of Man was too big. It was. It grew too big for what it for mm. for its administration, uh, and would have uh, fractured. I mean, that's what we see in forty k. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, very, yeah. it's very much like a a collection of systems rather than a single, you know, well administered empire. Mm. It's funny because the you know forty k, like you mentioned earlier, you know, it is very much an extension of thirty k. I mean, chronologically, obviously, but yeah, you could you couldn't really kind of understand the lore or the story of forty k without covering the events that we've just covered, could you? It, it's, it informs everything. In terms of the Imperium and the notion of chaos, yeah, that's subjectively... Well, no, yeah, that's pretty true. I, I think you can uh, exist within the lore of 40k without knowing anything about 30k. Right, okay. Other than the couple of pages of paragraphs where it's referred to in various codices and uh, rule books. But the thing is that 40k existed before 30k in terms of the game yeah. and the lore so it's very much retconning interesting stories and uh introducing new concepts within uh, 30k while 40k already existed that's the part that blows my mind i think that's the thing that has always interested me so much about the horus heresy is that it was a story told to fit an existing setup so like the constrictions in terms of storytelling, the boundaries that were already in place, you know, you would look at those as potentially being a, a kind of barrier to creativity. But my God, like they did such a good job in explaining what's going on in 40K. Like it, and it really does. You hear the story and it sounds like it was created sequentially. You know, 40K was created after 30K. But the fact they did mm. it in reverse is just mind blowing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So considering the end of the Horus heresy, that the Horus himself was defeated by the Emperor, the Emperor survived, albeit he was maimed permanently, but it did change the setup and orchestration of the Imperium of Man ultimately. Did Chaos actually succeed in what they wanted to do or not in that sense? Mm, or not really? They managed to... They managed to disrupt the Great Crusade and the Imperium, but in one of the books, it's really the Emperor sums it up where he says, Sometimes the best thing you can hope for is not victory, but to stop the other person winning. Mm. It's a yeah. stalemate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It ended sure. in a stalemate. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And okay. that's how it's existed for 10,000 years. It's a stalemate, right. it's a constant okay. battle for survival. And the the image that we see online of the emperor as a skeleton on the on the throne, I'm assuming that when he was interred initially, he was still, you know, in relative human form or relative whole form, and he's just basically rotted on that. Uh, yeah, it's one of these things where that's how he's portrayed. That's not what he looks like now. No, no one really knows. Right. The the golden throne now could just be a solid mass of machinery, and you could get mm. nowhere near, the, you know, like the giant test tube that contains his skeletal remains, which is an anchor yeah. for his spirit, which is fed by all these psychers every day. Right, 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 right. All right, amazing. Shall I wrap up? Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah. All right, that's all from us. Thank you so much for listening. Details and imagery for the topics we've discussed in this podcast can be found on our website at layingdownthelore.com. We also have all our previous episodes on there, release schedules, merchandise, and you can sign up for the Laying Down the Lore newsletter, which includes exclusive info about upcoming releases, behind-the-scenes chat, and some extra lore not covered in the podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard in this episode and you want to support us, head over to patreon.com forward slash laying down the lower 40k and sign up today for as little as £3. This will give you access to our Discord server so you can come and tell us exactly what you think of Kral. We'll be back again soon displaying just how little Chris and I know. Until then, Jiro. Horus, Horus, Horus. (laughs) Toodaloo. (laughs) 